This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, we recorded this Twitter Spaces last Friday and it was a huge hit. We had Rao Pal, legendary venture capitalist Bill Tai, Real Vision's Elaine Lee, and thousands of RV listeners jump in to voice their thoughts on everything happening across the globe. It was a great conversation. Apologies for the varying audio quality, but here's a highlight from that Twitter Spaces. Next question. Looks like we've got Power Bitcoin. Power Bitcoin, uh, a regular listener on these Twitter Spaces. Power Bitcoin, if you can hear me, uh, go ahead with your question, please. Oh, hey, what's going on, Rob Paul? Uh, big fan. You actually kind of orange-pilled me on Bitcoin uh, back in 2020 when you were doing all those interviews with, like, Jeff Booth and the Winklevoss twins, and Bitcoin, the trade of the decade. So I so I actually contribute a lot of my Bitcoin journey to your YouTube video, so I appreciate that. Um, so I have a question about – I have two questions, actually. One is on the economy. You were speaking about a possible recession – do you think if we see a recession at this point that it can turn into a depression? Um, guys like Robert Kiyosaki are calling for the greatest depression that you know we've seen since the 1920s Great Depression. Do you think that that what's going on in the global macro environment can cause this Great Depression that we haven't seen in over 100 years? No. I think it's a Great Depression in the way that we understand it which is a deflationary bust or even an inflationary bust, right now is almost impossible. It's impossible for the demographic reasons and also because the central banks play this smoke and mirrors game of hiding um, the effect on asset prices by lowering the value of the denominator. So if you increase the amount of dollars in the system, you lower the value of the dollar, not versus the euro or the yen, but versus the value of hard assets. So what happens is, once you divide things by the value of the denominator, which is the Fed balance sheet, you see a different world where most markets never recovered from 2008. And that's how people feel. If you think about the kind of dystopian world and polarized politics, it's because everybody left and right, coastal, you know, coastal inner city to inner America feel like they've been fucked somewhere. And yes, they have. They've been screwed by demographics and all of the other issues I've talked about, but also it's been papered over by the devaluation of the denominator. So it's very hard to get a depression in the terms that we understand it to be because it kind of juices the value of asset classes. The depression really has probably been playing out over the last 20 years anyway, which was driven you know, and, and we see it in Europe, for example, where the equity markets have gone nowhere, or Japan. It's where low GDP growth um, persists over time. So it's a slow-running depression that that makes people feel more politicized, more angry, because they know that they were sold the American dream, and what they got was something inter incredibly different. Garov, I don't know if you can hear me. 
but if you can, please go ahead with your question. Um, hey, Ash, uh, thank you for letting me ask a question. Um, my question is to Raul. But in regards to the NFT, when you, Elaine, uh, were men- talking, you mentioned a really specific part of the use case for NFT. Now, that being said, I what my question is, is right now, I personally, in my head, I believe there is a reset requirement for NFTs application that is much required. Like the growth rate, as you guys mentioned about the two laws, the spread rate, the exponential growth that we are seeing for NFTs. So that is all insane. And that is all well and good. But definitely we need to specify a use case because right now how media publishes NFT or like someone purchasing a rock or someone purchasing a crypto punk, the first thing that you see is the amount that it is being sold for. So that takes away the retail mindset that, okay, like this is not something that we can get into because it's too expensive or it's too out of our league. So that already loses a few of the people. Now, some of them would stay there in order to find an opportunity to flip something. And they start from the very bottom. Out of that, only 10% to 5% actually, you know, are able to understand that game. By the time they reach to the top of the level, again, it becomes too expensive pawn to even have a competition. I'm going to jump in here to answer this question. Ash, can I take this? Yeah, go ahead, please. You know, with NFTs, I swear to God, it is so noisy. It's like the space where it's just too much and you punish yourself. You're like, oh, wait, I clicked on that page. It was only a couple of ETH. I could have got in. But it's like you cannot punish yourself for just visiting a page and wanting to get in every single project. That's not the right way to do it. So number one, what I suggest is definitely take your time. And the C word, community. Find what actually talks to you first. And I genuinely think, right, the early people in crypto adoption know what crypto and blockchain technology is doing. So your morals, your values, your ethics. And that's when the real value is going to come in. Say, for example, for me, I spoke to um, a young lady. um, Her project is called Women Rise. When we had her on Real Vision, her project wasn't even sold out it's 0.0 ETH that you could have minted her stuff for. But the thing is, it's it's I I have worked for um, a, a lady called Christian Amanpour, um, one of the most renowned female journalists in the world, right? Um, and and it was in my DNA to uh, for fighting for girls' education, for closing that gender disparity gap. And so her project just naturally spoke to me. And that's when I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to look further and into this project. Lo and behold, this project is actually still under one ETH. But this week or the past month alone, that project that I've been keeping an eye on is she's partnered up with Ledger. So Ledger struggles to teach people. Trust me, I've got a Ledger, a couple of them, of course. And when I started using them, it was like using the world's shittest Tamagotchi with nothing like pictures married to it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on my third glass of wine right now. <laughs> Total description. Listen, Elaine, Elaine yeah. really great, really great points about community, and I think, yeah. I think you're, you're yeah. so right about how we all learn. Yeah. So I I, wanna, I, I'd like to add. Yeah, let me just finish my point though. It's just take your time with it. That's my ultimate number one NFT. When I start to to look around, take your time and pick a project that meets your value the most. All right, boys, take so- it away. So as part of the question of this was, okay, if this is an egalitarian community-led project, 
why the fuck is Board Eight Yacht Club trading at the price it is, or CryptoPunks? It's basically an exclusive golf club membership. And I have an issue with that personally. And I don't have an issue with it has value. I have an issue that the ethos of the space is broader than that. And this is particularly why I am strongly in favor of social tokens as the future. And I know most people don't even know what I'm talking about when I talk about it. Yep. But I yep. know it's coming because I'm, I'm working on it. And the reality is, is the ape token is going to be worth a ton more than the entire board ape kind of PFP project because the community can be larger and more inclusive. And I think that is a really important point. Yeah, an inc incredibly important and controversial point. And it is really interesting to see uh, these communities. And, and obviously the early adopters in these communities have have realized some pretty tr pretty tremendous gains. And it's it's really interesting to see where this is going. I wanted to pull in uh, Bill Tai uh, and on chain again. I I'm curious, uh, as guys who run communities like this, what are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, it's it's this sort of weird uh kind of almost trade-off or balancing act between accessibility uh, and the fact that people are having massive value accumulation uh, as the price rises. H how do you guys think about that? And how do you think about those trade-offs? Yeah, uh, and that's, that's a great question. I, I, I'll go first. Bill, you can follow. Um, so, well, first, you know, Unchained Monkey, you know, our, our collection, we, we gave it away for free because we wanted to build, you know, community, you know, grassroots and, you know, bring in people who are the people who want to you know support us and, and share our values? So we our community says rise all the time, R I S C, and those are our values: respect, integrity, sustainability, and experimentation. And and over time, right, our price has been rising, and it becomes so. I think the first stage is what projects like you know crypto punks and board apes have reached, which is they are a community of whales, right? And that that is fine for an early you know market. Uh, but they have to, you know, build that economy, the economy that, you know, Bill, Bro, and you were talking about earlier, where it, it's a whole ecosystem of, you know, people. It's not just, you know, you know, community whales. And so, you know, the Ape Token can bring that. And similarly for, you know, our project, we're, we have something down the road to address that. You know, and right now, you know, we're, yeah, so that's my short take. Bill, you want to take it? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll build on your points, Danny, and what Royal mentioned about, uh, you know, kind of the collection, the NFTs themselves are are very valuable in board eight for sure. Um, but the token economy is more right. So it's kind of like you have the nodes and you have the the economy that uh, the nodes participate in, and the economies can be incredibly robust, right? And you have that in in the real world too, right? You have different countries that have the same population base, but some have GDPs that are insane, and others are kind of duds. You know, even though they have the same number of people. And so it's it's kind of a question of what's the framework uh, that you set, that what's the value system you set so that there's consistency of behavior across the community members? What uh, are the rule sets and the uh, kind of the onboarding that the sources and sinks of of capital uh, that the members of the community can uh, use and uh, in these transactions to grow an economy? And I think in in our case with the on-chain monkey community, um, it's uh, for those of you on the line that don't know the community already, you know, the, the concept of currency, either in the old, old days, backed by gold bars, shifted to barrels of oil. What we wanted to try to do was bring it back down to a human level where, you know, when you and if any of you on this call do a favor for somebody else and generate a little bit of good karma, that's stored value. So we wanted to see 
can we unlock that human behavior of taking good karma, encapsulating it and making it, you know, kind of somewhat fungible across members that believe and and can unlock value amongst a group of people. So over the course of time, uh, and back to Danny's point about we gave it away for free. If you think about the launch of any IPO, if you overprice your IPO and all the people that were excited about it, like buy in at the top and then it goes down, everybody sells and all they remember is that that company sucked, even if the company's financials came back later. So we wanted to just let people continually, you know, uh, be be making money on it too. you know, combine good with making money. And sure enough, you know, everyone like I think, uh, Danny, what was the stat? A hundred percent of people that have held our token have have made money. Is that there was a so there's there is a, a site that ranks these across all the NFT collections. And we're the number one on there for the percentage of 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 trades, the last hundred trades that are profitable for people. Yeah, so, you know, maybe we are underpriced, but you know what? Everybody loves the community and they're there for a reason. And I think we're going to introduce it when Raul, you asked, you know, what we are, as you asked, what we want to uh, do to build that other thing. So we've got the nodes, they're consistent in value. We've got good onboard, offboard ramps for transactions. And now we're going to construct the kind of the fabric for how we take all that good karma, the community power, and turn it into something. And one of the models that I've 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 just been fascinated by is YGG, which was built on top of Axie Infinity and some other economies, where it's effectively a DAO of DAOs where community members can kind of raise their hand, a couple can join a little collective, and they they pool their money to buy other NFTs to allow other members to enter the community. So it's basically a collateralized lending operation where it's peer-to-peer and a group can kind of put together a little package and this is so, guild, guild games for those who may not know yes yes yield guild games so as i look at that behavior and i think wow you know it's per, it's very cool and that's kind of how societies worked a long time ago like families and friends of family your friends would just pull capital to help each other so we're gonna c- kind of do a dow of dows that is not just to collateralize lending for little pools of NFTs, but it's kind of like anybody can fund anything. If you want to fund a new Web3 startup that you think is going to be worth $100 billion someday, raise your hand and let's let the market decide and come with you or not. You know, if you want to fund a charity and just give it away, let's see who in the community wants to join that with you. Or if you want to do an open source project or something else. You know, it's it's a it's a very basic behavior to pool with friends of similar values to fund projects that you like. So I think that's how we want to my migrate our community from just the value of the PFP as a show of a membership of a community to a gateway to an economic activity that is uh, productive and accretive in value to all of the other members in all of the DAOs if if it continues to grow. Hey, Bill, let me ask um, you this. Bill, How do you think about uh, risk? I, in if space? I may. Go, go, just real quick, I'm, I'm sorry, I was asking Bill a question. Bill, how do you think about risk in your communities? I know, obviously, this is very early. Um, you know, the, the entire space, I think it's fair to say, is, is, is highly speculative. How do you think about risk? Uh, you mean for, for people generating a DAO uh, and trying to get their friends to do something within our community or which part of it? 
just in the in the most general sense, how do you think about risk in this new space? How do you think about um, what some of the the, the potential uh, things that can go wrong are, and how do you control for them? Well, you know, so I think obviously risk. Uh, so if it's financial risk, of course, you know, all all assets can go up and down, and you know the uh, independent uh, the macro waves of of pricing of risk assets is going to carry everybody a little bit with it no matter what but i think that the tighter uh the bonding is of community members around a set of values as opposed to uh the the speculative i i bought it because i thought it'd go up you know just because they want to make money you know the more you have the hot money that just was there to make money the more volatility there's going to be. So, so part of our ethos in the very beginning was, you know what? I don't care if it's like massively big in the beginning or not. Let's be very careful in the curation of the community. And, you know, then this, uh, Elaine Lee talked about, it, like everybody's talked about it. it's community, community, community. How do you build a consistent fabric of values so that the people that are there are there for reason that isn't just to try to flip something, right? That that's the last thing we want. We don't want to be like yesterday's uh, last, you know, crappy ICO. We want to be a living, breathing microeconomy that is as pure as we can get to a consistent set of values, so that it just kind of grows, you know. Because I think we're all in it for the long term. And if if you do it right, and you think about companies, the best companies in the world are actually cults. Right. There's a there's a kind of a value set and ethos across the the employee base where everybody kind of the culture is what happens when the boss is not there. And we want our peer to peer community to live and breathe and, and just keep kind of rolling on its own, bringing a creative value in good projects. So to the extent that that manages risk, that's that's the best way to do it if we can do it at that foundational level. Very interesting. I want you to pull Raul back into the conversation because I know that he thinks a great deal about culture and community uh, at Real Vision and more generally. Uh, Raul, what are your thoughts about where uh, some of this may be going? I think that community is the new business model. I don't think people yet understand that if you don't have a community, you're dead in the water in this new world. So community becomes the driver and the reason being from a business level is you have a direct relationship with your consumer or your member or your network member in this case and that throws out middlemen people become your marketing engine if you treat the community well as a business and if the community treat each other well it grows and it flourishes this is an entirely new concept we've seen in music, fashion, and cultural things where a band explodes because of word of mouth. But nobody had network participation in that. It was just pride. When you've got economic participation and pride, it's kind of exponential squared. So I can't overestimate how powerful this is and how big this is. I was this weekend over in Utah at a very... Um, very exclusive kind of behind closed doors events and the world's biggest CEOs of every media company, all sorts of incredible people were there and they all get it. The light bulb moment has started to go off, including there were 
some of the heads of the biggest Web2 media companies on Earth and, and you know, social networks on Earth. And they're like, we know it's coming. We understand. Now, the narrative is far behind. The narrative is Web2 bad, Web3 good. Web2 gets the change. There's a lot of smart people there. They understand that their business model is dying. There is no surprise that Zuckerberg, who's a very smart guy, saw it as fast as possible and entirely changed his business model around it. People think that he's not going, he's going to create walled gardens. But I can assure you from every conversation I've had with anybody at Meta is they understand that that is not the way. What they want to do is create as much community value as possible by tools, applications, experiences that the community flourishes. If you see the S-curve moment that Meta is going through, i.e. the share prices collapse because network growth of the existing network use, which is social media, is falling as people become more distrusting, they've moved to different networks, it's either going to fail or they have made an incredibly brave, massive bet on the future. And we're all potentially, rightly or wrongly, stuck in a narrative of meta bad because they will just try and capture everything. I'm not sure that they are that stupid. There are a lot of incredibly smart people there who understand what this is about. Much like Apple understand the metaverse and have been working on AR to an astonishing extent. I mean, again, meta, let's go back to that. Before even anybody talked about the metaverse, had 10,000 people working on VR for five years. They are so far ahead of anybody in this space. Now, I'm not saying that they're good or bad. All I'm saying is that the whole world is pivoting around this concept of community that Web3 drives. And it is a wholesale change of business. The other thing I've been trying to explain to people is this level community is essentially the same as brand. But when you connect, so, so let's say Adidas has a great brand. Fantastic. You connect all of the nodes of Adidas, i.e. the people who love Adidas, and let them do things together, you've created more value. So traditionally, in the stack of um, ownership of a company, you have equity and you have debt. You now have token. And token is turning brand and community from an intangible on the balance sheet to a tangible. That is extra GDP that did not exist. That is how big this is incredibly incredibly fascinating moment that we find ourselves at here and are fortunate enough to get to be part of this conversation what's up revolutionaries for more content like this head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best brightest and biggest names in finance you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. 
Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.